This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning and welcome to Ringgit and Cents, the show that's all about personal finance. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Financial literacy is a key tenant of this show. And while we strive to educate and create financial awareness, there is a limit to how much we can cover and explore, which is why it's essential that all of us continue to explore personal finance knowledge outside the confines of this show. I admit that can be a little daunting considering how much information is out there. So to help give us a little bit of a guide here, I have back on the show Aaron Tang, personal financial blogger at mrdashtingy.com. Aaron, welcome back to Ring It and Sense. Hi, Roshan. Thanks for having me. So let's take it. Let's take a step back and take a look at your own journey, Aaron. When did your financial literacy journey begin and when did it accelerate? It always starts with your parents, right? Um, I can remember money lessons taught by my mom and my dad since I was a kid. From my mom, it was about giving. So that's giving a portion of income to the church. And then my dad, on the other hand, it was actually watching, observing him because he was a stock market investor in the mid-90s. And then somewhere along the later stages of uh, university, that was when I was about 20, that's when I actually started reading more about money and going down this rabbit hole of financial blogs and articles and things like that. Where it really accelerated, I think, was when I quit my first job. That was, again, in my early 20s. And that was then I was facing down a big amount of education debt. And that's where I, I really had to, to really learn and learn fast and also practice. I like the fact that you bring it up that it's a, a gradual process, right? And only it was when you were working that you really doubled down on this financial literacy journey. And, you know, reading some of your stuff, uh, Aaron, I noticed that one particular book that uh, inspired you to think about starting uh, wealth building was uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a very famous book to many people. What was it about this book that inspired you? Rich Dad, Poor Dad really changed the way I, I viewed the world of money. It was as if before that, I, I was viewing things in like a very narrow lens my, my whole life. And granted, I was just a teenager uh, mm-hmm. in my late teens at that time. But when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it felt as if, you know, the blindness had been taken off. And now I saw a brand new world filled with possibilities. If anything, I think that's the true power of the book. It's about motivation more than anything, making you realize that, yes, you do have the ability to change your future with money and hopefully become rich and free as well. So what was this? Because the way you're describing it, Aaron, it feels like a red pill, blue pill thing. Like Morpheus is in front of me <laughs> offering me a choice here. What were these blinders that were lifted? How, how did this tangibly change the way you view money? Could you give us a few examples? I think the, the big thing for me in the book was that it's about your your destiny. I mean, if if you if you grew up in middle class in a small town like myself, maybe the image that you had is, oh yeah, for the rest of my life I'm going to be uh, middle class in a small town, and maybe I'll have my my little job, and then that will be it for for my money and my career and my life, right? But the way that Kiyosaki put some of his examples, and granted, these are some I guess you can call it like survivorship bias and stuff. Because the way he's trying to motivate you is to think that, yes, you can actually achieve your dreams. You can actually think about affording things that you couldn't afford before. And you you told, you told used to tell yourself that, no, no, I can't afford this. But he's, he, he would use phrases like, how can you afford this instead of you can't afford this? So I think that's the, the, the way it shifted my mind from maybe 
towards a, a life filled with limitations, towards something where, hey, actually I can break past the limits. Now, obviously, this book we've read quite some time ago. And Aaron, I do want to touch on the current resources and how you learn new things in just a second. But I'm actually very curious about, um, uh, you noted that there were some things that you don't necessarily agree with the uh, with uh, Kiyosaki's viewpoint. Maybe you could just get into some of the points you didn't necessarily agree with. Yeah, sure. So I've had to do a bit of research on this one because it's been maybe almost 20 <laughs> years now since I, since I read Rich Dad. But I think one of the biggest controversies around Rich Dad Poor Dad is there actually doesn't seem to be any historical evidence that Rich Dad really existed. And there's doubts about whether Kiyosaki himself was a really successful businessman or investor before he was Rich Dad Poor Dad famous. However, the way it's portrayed in the book is as if Rich Dad himself is a real person. He's like a, an older guy who teaches uh, Kiyosaki like a, <clears throat> like a mentor-mentee kind of relationship. So actually, in that sense, Rich Dad Poor Dad might actually be a fictional parable for all we know. Hmm. It probably is actually, but it's not actually portrayed that way. Um, additionally, some have actually criticized uh, the emphasis that the book seems to place on starting your own business and investing in real estate. Now, yes, this might be a suitable path for some people, but definitely not for everyone. Uh, personally, I'm not big in on investing in properties. And although I've thought about becoming an entrepreneur before, but over time, I've started to realize that full-time employment probably suits my character, my strengths more. And there are ways to build, build wealth uh, being a full-time employed kind of uh, person. So it's not like it has to be the rich that way or anything. And whereas the book seemed to emphasize a lot on that part. I like this point you brought up, right? Essentially, there's a, there is a need to be critical about all the media that we consume, not necessarily accept it as it is. And it's okay to not agree with everything you read uh, because that's a point that actually gives a little bit of like a, a friction point in where we can learn more or gives us a direction in terms of maybe I want to investigate this a little bit more or do I really agree with this point? And with that in mind, Erin, maybe you could take us through some of the your favorite resources of the past few years. Absolutely. I just want to make a point, Roshan, that one of my pet peeves is the, the guru worship kind of thing, right? Like, mm. oh, if I if I admire this guru, then I'm going to follow 100% of what he says. I'm not going to question it. And it's it's not that way, right? You can actually learn many things from different, different sources and you sort of uh, take all this and you use it to make your life better. You don't have to accept everything wholesale. So to your other question, some of the blogs that I really like today, some of the resources that I like today. Morgan Housel is the top one. He's the guy who wrote The Psychology of Money. Amazing book. Do pick it up, readers, if you haven't. Secondly, I would want to mention Nick Majuli, who writes at the blog Dollars and Data, and actually some of his other colleagues who are informally known as the Ritholtz Mafia. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's this group of, uh, well, they all work for, uh, I think they work for financial advisory and they're all writing blogs on their own as well, which is really interesting to read multiple viewpoints on, on the current trends. Um, interesting to note, all these guys are on Twitter or FinTweet if you, if you must, um, where I actually spend a lot of time reading uh, she spend much more time on Twitter than Facebook nowadays. If we are talking about other mainstream publications, I like CNBC Make It, which is more towards the, the, the intersection between money and careers. I like reading The Atlantic as well for some of their well, general articles, really. 
covered business review for more of the management, HR related stuff. And locally, of course, the edge is great for overall knowledge about finance, money, investing. Aaron, I have to admit, I'm a little upset here because not once have you mentioned uh, Ringgit and Cents or BFM 89.9. <laughs> uh, it's very, very disappointing, sir. I, I will have I, I, this. I will take this as a signal that I need to improve the show to get your attention. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but basically, I like what you've brought up here, right? Essentially, there is a you've got a portfolio of resources that you look at, but it's important not to worship a particular resource. It, and it's important for all of us to be critical about the things we consume and to continue striving for more knowledge. So even if you hear something on the show or uh, where you read, whether it's uh, the Harvard Business Review or one of the uh, people on Fintwit, it's important to also do your own uh, research and uh, think about it more than that. Don't just accept everything that you read. And this leads to a very big question, Aaron, because you know, as much as I love the internet and all the, the democratization of uh, thought that we've gotten, with that, with the Twitter and the Instagrams and the blogs out there, there is an abundance of information and not all of it is created equal, which is very, very important to take note of. What are some common red flags that you watch out for to separate the good informative stuff from the rubbish and misinformation on the internet? Yeah. So what I look out for is over-sensationalized pieces or even over-simplified takes. So when I was younger, I would absolutely lap up this kind of material. For example, <laughs> headlines that scream, these five XYZ cryptocurrencies will make you rich. Right? I'm going to read like 20 of these kind of articles every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, very hardline, extreme pieces with all the clickbait uh, kind of headlines will get clicks and attention. But what I've learned is much of life actually happens in the center, in the moderate area, right? Mm. When things are actually balanced. So as I've gotten older, I've tried to look for nuance, balance and fair views, which actually, which actually consider multiple angles. By the way, it's getting, <clears throat> it's getting harder and harder to find this kind of material because the internet seems to reward hot takes and you know, oversimplified, over extreme kind of material. But if you can find this kind of balanced, um, very uh, well-balanced, well-thought-out well views, then I think it's very rewarding. Now, I will say that uh, I am predominantly uh, an article reader. Uh, I don't do so well on like watching YouTube videos or watching, uh, listening to podcasts. Uh, and for that matter, if, if there was one podcast I recommend, of course, it's going to be BFM 89.9%, right? <laughs> it's just that I'm not such a huge... Uh, podcast consumer myself, I'm much more an article reader, um, but I would say that that advice probably applies across to, to any form of media, any form of material as well. Yeah, it's important just to be critical about everything that you consume. Verify it, take a look at various different sources and see what more you can learn about it. So reading and consumption is one thing. Putting it into action is a completely other thing. How have you taken knowledge that you've consumed and acted upon it? Do you have any examples that you can share with us? One example I'd like to share, it's, um, and I've tried, which is really great, is actually tracking my expenses. So read common financial blogs, financial articles, tracking your expenses is actually very common advice. However, I've learned that it's actually very hard to pull off in practice, especially consistently. Now, thankfully, with the help of apps, I've managed to do it consistently for years now. Um, the first time I actually saw what I'd been spending on, it was really an eye-opener for me because I can imagine even in my budgeting Excel sheets and stuff, I can imagine, okay, I'm putting money here, I'm putting money here, but without actually tracking that spending. 
I, I never really understood. And the first time I saw where I had actually been spending my money, it actually gave me a lot of action points, a lot of improvement points on how I can actually improve my finances. So I think that's one example of something that I read, I actually struggled with at first before the tracking apps, before I installed the money tracking apps, right? But once I actually was able to do it, then it really brought a lot of benefits. When we talk about consumption, Aaron, one particular problem I have, and I'm sure many other people do when we talk about reading and listening and watching all these different content, is that I could be much better in processing and acting upon all that info that we're learning. Do you have a similar problem with this or do you have a system that maybe helps you turn knowledge into action? Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling, laughing a bit because I'm actually really bad at this as well. <laughs> um, I actually highlight the books I read, but sometimes when it's really, really important, and when I say really important, that's maybe less than 1% of the time, I jot down some notes on my laptop in Notepad. But really, it's not systemic at all. That's perhaps the most I do. I think ultimately the way I learn and process things is... Uh, immersion <laughs> you know you just continue to read continue to immerse yourself in good material and i think over time hopefully it influences me it swings my my character towards action eventually but yeah i, I don't have a, a super secret uh, technique or anything <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good point. Uh, and actually, that really reminds me of a line I heard, and I, I can't remember where, uh, but it was basically the good stuff sticks on the wall, right? So if you throw a bunch of things on the wall, eventually the good stuff will stick. And it's the, that is the I think the 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 one of the points of uh, the pros that comes out from immersion, right? Although it you, there are more efficient ways of doing things and all of that. Um, constantly reading may be one of those passive ways that helps you stick with things in the longer term because it's because note-taking is not easy, right? You're highlighting and then taking notes. And if that creates friction towards you learning more, that is in itself uh, a detriment to your own uh, long-term learning. Yeah, if I could add to that, Roshan, it's that, um, you know, over the years, I've tried to create systems for myself. I said, you know, I'm going to read X number of books. I'm going to do this at this time. And what I learned, what I found that actually it actually took away the pleasure of reading and learning hmm. because I was like so hard on myself trying to to build all these elaborate systems right um, and this year I said that no what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try and optimize just doing it for the sake of pleasure and learning and I found that it's actually much better I'm able to consume more because I'm just following my interest like when the interest strikes me I'm gonna pick up that book and read it and not be overly concerned about like turning myself into an optimization machine or anything like that. Yeah, sometimes we let optimization uh, become that friction point in between actually long-term compounded learning. Um, Aaron, I do want to touch on one thing here because a lot of times with all this information we see out there, it can actually be a little anxiety riddling for someone to go out and pick a resource or pick a book or pick a podcast to listen to because they want to start something off on the best possible way, which leads to analysis paralysis and then eventually no action on that part. Do you have any, I guess thoughts on how to overcome this? Yeah, I would say start small. Change is hard and scary because inertia, right, you're, you're currently in a certain state and your body wants to remain in that <laughs> certain state. It's, it's very easy to just sit back and remain and then, you know, just sometimes you even like to complain about your circumstances and then you dream about a, a world where you took action and saw life change and yet for whatever reason despite all our dreams we just want to stay at, in our own situation and, and complain right because it's easy it's a human thing to do so i would say start small is the um is the 
the the best most powerful advice I can give if reading a book is so intimidating right don't don't start with reading a book right start by just uh, spending five minutes on Twitter and searching for uh, money tips right something like really absurdly small that you can really do immediately but hopefully that actually lights the motivation that that lights the fire and the second tip I would say is something I've touched on before let your interests guide you because the the whole world of money, financial, it's actually so many different things, right? It's not just about investing. It's not just about saving. It's not just about insurance. If you look at all the things that exist in the the money finance world and you just explore, I'm pretty sure you will find something that interests you or that, you know, excites you and start with that. Start with that. Start small and then, you know, build your knowledge from there. On that note, Aaron, thank you so much for your time and your insights this morning. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as always. Thank you, Roshan. Really appreciate it. I was speaking with Aaron Tang, personal financial blogger at MrDashTingy.com. And you've been listening to Ring It and Sense, the show that's all about personal finance. I'm Roshan Kanesan for BFM 89.9. Ring It and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to BFM.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.